But uh, we've been in this series on wisdom, looking at Proverbs chapter 3. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about that at first. But really, this message isn't necessarily in that series. Uh, This message is about Samson. Now, maybe you know about Samson. Uh, The subtitle is Champ or Chump. And we'll explain that in a moment of why I feel he could be both. Uh, But Proverbs 3 is what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Proverbs 3 starting in verse 1. So let's look at that together. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. The reason I love this proverb that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks is, honestly, when I think of Samson's life, I wish he would have applied those things. Because if you look at his decisions and actions and things that he was involved in, he was called by God to do amazing things, and you'll hear about those in a moment. But if he would have applied some of these things, man, his life would have turned out so much differently. And so when you think of Samson, um, how many of you had like a Sunday school experience as a kid? Like you went to Sunday school? Yeah, a lot more in this service. The last service was just a few hands. But when I was in Sunday school, and by the way, Pastor Jason and Miss Raina were some of my Sunday school teachers before they were my youth pastors, so they know me, all right? And, uh, and they knew how to get me to listen because they always brought donuts. So I'm sorry I didn't bring donuts for you guys, but I trust that you're going to listen. Amen. Um, but when we would learn about, you know, different, you know, Bible characters and these, these men and women of God, one that always stood out to me in a big way was Samson because he's like this superhero. He's just this, this strong guy who does crazy things. And so, you know, when we're learning about it and you see these little flannel graphs of Samson and my kids have like the kid's Bible and it just talks about how strong and great Samson is, like that's, that's fine and dandy. But what we don't teach our kids and what maybe some of us have forgotten or perhaps never heard is that most of Samson's life was him straying from God's path and doing his own thing. And we're going to learn that. Uh, and, and what we can apply from that today in God's word. Amen? Um, when I read this proverb, again, I think of Samson's life. And it's, it's always interesting whenever, you know, somebody overcomes trial or tribulation or difficulty or a situation in life. Um, and it's a lot to be said of somebody who, like, maintains their faith during that. But isn't it true that whenever someone fails or messes up, failure brings way more attention than a good track record ever does? Right? Why is that? Now, you think of pastors and athletes and politicians and different people who may have done amazing things in their life. They've helped a lot of people. They've done great things. And, but then there's that moral failing. There's that affair. There's that situation that now all of a sudden that's what they become known for. Right, And I think of Samson a lot because, you know, as a kid, we, we think of, wow, Samson did these great things for God. Yes, he did, but he was also called to be a righteous judge of Israel to deliver them from the Philistines and put them back on track with God, and he didn't, right? And so there's a lot of Samson's failure that we can learn from today, and I pray God's word speaks to you through it. 
Yeah? So check this out. In the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 6, it's not going to be on the screen because it would just take a long time to go through, but uh, God gives Moses the structure of a Nazarite vow. And basically, this word Nazarite in the Hebrew, it translates to dedication by separation. And a Nazarite vow is something that somebody could actually uh, apply to their lives for days, weeks, months, or even years. All right, it's this commitment to God. It's a consecration to God. And so it's an outward standard of living to show an inward dedication to God. So some of the main commitments include this. You couldn't eat or drink anything from a grapevine. So no grapes, raisins, wine, juice, none of that. You couldn't cut your hair. You couldn't touch or go near a dead body. Like those are some of the main things that made a Nazarite, a Nazarite vow. Um, and in Judges chapter 13, we, we hear about how Samson hits the scene, okay? And now an angel del- delivers a message to Samson's parents. Now, a lot of times when we think of an angel appearing before a woman and saying, hey, you're going to have a son, we think Mary, right? Uh, but this also happened in Judges 13 with Samson. A lot of people don't realize this. So Judges 13, uh, what happens is this angel appears to his parents and says, hey, you're going to have a special child, and you're, he's going to be born into a Nazarite vow, and he's going to be raised up to be a judge of Israel and to deliver Israel from the Philistines. Now what you have to understand is during this time, Israel was in a dark, dark day. Like, the Bible says that they did what was right in their own eyes. Said Israel did what was right in their own eyes. Doesn't that sound familiar to our culture right now? This look around and and day-to-day life and what's on the news. People are doing what is right in their own eyes. Well, this is right for me. It may not be right for you, but, you know, I'm with it, so don't judge me. Right? We hear that one a lot. Don't judge me. Yeah, but it's interesting that this book of the Bible is called Judges and that Samson was being raised up to be a judge of God's people. And so we see this in chapter 13, this angel visits, and, uh, and we pick up the story uh, in Judges thirteen twenty four. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. At Mahana Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. Now it's really interesting that they list where this happened, but I think it's special and it's important that they listed the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him, and it was between these cities of Zorah and Eshtel. I think a lot of us can think back to a time and even a place, a location of where we first experienced God moving in our lives. Like maybe you think back to that camp or that retreat as a young person or maybe that experience with, you know, someone coming alongside you and showing you the gospel. Or maybe it was here at Coastline or at an altar somewhere where you had this encounter with God and you experienced the presence of God moving on your life in a powerful way. And I I think as I was saying that, maybe you even went back there for a moment in your thoughts. And it's a beautiful thing to think, man, yeah, I remember when I first experienced that. And this is where it happened for Samson. It was between Zorah and Eshtel. So this is why that's important. The very next verses in the next chapter, Judges 14, say this. Now Samson went down. Everyone say went down. He went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up. Everyone say went up. 
and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. It says he went down to Timnah. What is Samson thinking? Because if you look at a map, Timnah is miles and miles away from where he originally experienced the Spirit of God moving mightily on his life. If you look at where Zorah and Eshtel is, Timnah is far, far from it. So why is Samson finding himself in enemy territory and then falling for an enemy woman, this Philistine woman? He says he went down. So remember, any step that isn't toward God is a step down. And maybe you're out here right now and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm not full on walking straight towards God. I'm not necessarily always on the path. I am usually. But, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm stepping down. But the truth is, any step that isn't toward God is a step down. Amen? So what happens with Samson? Samson marries this Philistine woman. Now, do you realize how big of a deal this is? The Philistines hated Israel. They persecuted Israel. Samson was called to be a judge of Israel, to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And here we see Samson marries one of them. Like, that's a problem, right? There's something wrong here, okay? So he falls for this Philistine woman, marries her. Now look how Samson, he finds himself in situation after situation. And, and in Judges 14, 5 through 6, we see another instance where Samson goes down. It says, Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. So stop right there. So Samson is back in enemy territory, but this time he's in a vineyard. Okay, let me remind you, Samson's not even supposed to eat a grape. And yet, he is in an enemy vineyard. What? And then, I love the next part, now to his surprise, so stop right there. Isn't that so like us? That we do our own thing, we go our own way, maybe even willfully and knowingly diverting from God's path. And we start to entertain sin or give in to the temptation that keeps presenting itself to us. And then something happens, and it's such a surprise. I'm so surprised that happened. Right? But Samson, he is where he shouldn't be, doing what he shouldn't do. And then surprise, and his surprise might not look like your surprise, but it says a young lion came roaring against him. I don't know if anyone can relate on that level, but um, I've never had a young lion roaring against me. Although the Bible does say that the enemy of our soul prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he, he may devour, right? So Samson's where he shouldn't be, doing what he shouldn't do. Surprise, a young lion. And then look at this. This is an amazing picture of God's grace in the Old Testament. It says, The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart. So two things here. First, that is brutal and R-rated. Like he tore a lion apart with his bare hands. It's pretty intense. But I would want to see footage of it. Um, And secondly, it says the Spirit of the Lord moved mightily. It came upon him. And this is what's so amazing to me. Samson was doing what he shouldn't have been doing. He was in a place he should not have been. And yet, the Spirit of the Lord still moved mightily upon him. Isn't that amazing? So later on in this chapter, 
Something similar happens, except this time there's 30 Philistines and they rise up against him and Samson kills these guys. Now, the reason is interesting. These 30 guys were mad because Samson's wife wouldn't tell them the answer to a riddle that Samson came up with. So Samson deals with his problems in an interesting way, okay? So he kills these guys, and then, you know, because of all this, you know, he and his wife separate, okay? And this is, again, this of the Philistine daughters. This is that lady. So later on in the story, Samson goes down, and he goes to visit this wife, and his father-in-law says, hey, I thought you hated this lady, so I married her off to somebody else. So this makes Samson very angry. So again, we see Samson dealing with his problems in a very interesting way. So look at how he deals with it in Judges 15, verse 4. Then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches and turned the foxes tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shocks and standing grain as well as the vineyards and olive groves. Now, that's an interesting way of burning a place down. And that's very creative of Samson. I, I like to think that he probably came up with that idea, probably hanging out in a vineyard. I'm just saying. I'm going to catch 300 foxes. How does someone catch 300 foxes anyways and then tie their tails together? And anyways, this is a very interesting way of dealing with your problems. But here's the, here's the bigger problem. And again, we're seeing this progression of sin, your, your, your decisions leading one thing to another. This caused a bigger problem. So since these were Philistine um, uh, you know, grain and, and vineyards and things that burned up, that Samson burned up, this actually caused the Philistine army to deploy against Israel. Israel. So because of Samson doing this, now the armies of Philistine are moving against Israel. All right? Israel is extremely upset with Samson. Now, isn't this interesting? Again, Samson was called to be the judge of Israel and deliver Israel from the Philistines. And yet we see now that Israel is mad at their righteous judge and they're going to deliver him to the Philistines. So they tie him up. And this is so incredible. In chapter 15, uh, in verse 14, it says, Again, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon Samson. He broke free from the ropes. And it says that he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Like, this is a bad dude with really crazy ideas and, and you know, a short fuse, I guess. I don't know, but... So these thousand guys, like if, if a thousand people are attacking me and I've got to find the nearest weapon, like I don't know that I would be that creative. Here's a jawbone. I'm going to pick this up and yeah, there's good weight to this. I can take out a thousand dudes with this, right? But Samson does and it says the spirit of the Lord moved mightily upon him, even in spite of doing what he shouldn't have done. But here's the sad pattern that I see in Samson's life so far. This is all just a game to him. He's supposed to be a righteous judge to deliver Israel, and instead, he's just playing games. He's hanging out with the enemy. He's hanging in enemy territory, doing what he shouldn't do. He's doing things contrary to his Nazarite vow. And here's the, the sad part. We never really see Samson ever making a strategic effort towards fulfilling God's destiny for his life. Like, if you look at the whole story of Samson, if you read it for yourself, you're never going to see Samson actually learning from his mistakes and saying, you know what, I'm sorry, God, thanks for still moving mightily upon me. I'm on track now. This is what I need to do to deliver Israel. 
And again, we have to have strategy because the enemy has strategy against you. Do you realize that? The enemy of your soul has a strategy against you. So we have to have a strategy to overcome and walk in victory. Amen? And we don't see that in Samson's life. So then, moving forward, Judges 16, Samson, again, this progression of sin, because sin, it never just happens out of nowhere. Like, sin always starts somewhere, and it's usually pretty small, and doesn't seem like a big deal. But the wages of sin is death. So likewise, we have to have a strategy. Amen? Are we all in agreement on that? So check this out. Judges 16, Samson now goes and is with a prostitute, a Philistine prostitute. And so here we see the enemy now has Samson hooker, line, and sinker. <laughs> so, so in Judges 16, he's with this prostitute, and these Philistine men hear that Samson is in town, and so they're like, okay, we're going to get him this time. Okay, We're going to catch him by surprise. We're going to get him when morning comes. Samson, this is how he responds in verse 3. Again, very creative Samson. Samson lay low till midnight, then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So this is how Samson reacts to these guys saying they're going to take him down. He, in other words, he's going to be like, all right, well, hey, let me just show you what you're working with real quick. I'm going to pick up the city gate and carry it on my back up a hill. There was like an intimidation thing. But again, this just shows this is all just a game to Samson. Why is he even doing this? He's supposed to be righteously judging Israel to get them back on track with God. And instead, he's with a Philistine prostitute, and he's ripping up gates from the ground, and he's, you know, showcasing his strength, right? So because Samson could pull stuff off like this, he thought he was untouchable. Instead of thanking God, he blindly charged into his own agenda. Samson had power without purity and strength without self-control. Now, this is the part that blows my mind. All of this took place like over a span of 20 years. And I don't know about you, but if you were raised, you know, in church or in Sunday school, or you're familiar with the story of Samson, I, I tended to think that this all happened in just a weekend, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, he tore the lion up and then he killed a thousand guys with the jawbone of a donkey. And then he, you know, there was this Delilah situation and, you know, and that was just a bad weekend for Samson. But no, this is 20 years 20 years of willfully doing his own thing and straying from God's will and playing with the enemy. Wow. It's wild to think. And listen, when you realize you have a God-given destiny, you've got to strive towards it. You've got to do all you can to walk in it. And sometimes it is hard. Sometimes you might even fall. Sometimes you might even stray from the path. But you've got to do all you can because, again, if you don't have a strategy to do so, it's not going to just happen, right? Man, and I'm telling you right now, whether you realize it or not, every person in this room has a God-given destiny. God has an awesome plan for you. And it's not just a plan to just get you by day to day. It's a plan to prosper and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future. And furthermore, God wants to use you <laughs> to do amazing things for his kingdom. Not just me, not just Pastor Jason. Every person has a plan. Amen? But man, we got to stay on that path of wisdom. 
So this next phase of, of life is with Delilah. Judges 16 verse 4 says this. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. (laughs) This service is so awesome. Usually I like make a joke there, but you guys already laughed before the joke, so I'll just keep moving. (laughs) Oh, man. It's good. So this actually happened four times, and that's the wild part. So Delilah goes to Samson and says, you know, please tell me what your weakness is, and what can I tie you up with that, that would make you weak like any other man? And Samson, he's entertaining the thought, and so he's like, okay, well, this is what you need to do. Put, on, put some, some brand new bow strings, wrap me up in those, and I won't be able to break free. And of course, that was a lie. So he's asleep. He's tied up with bow strings. Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson breaks free and then busts his, uh, these, these guys up. You know, he beats them up and throws them around. And, you know, so second time, Delilah's like, why did you lie to me? You know, tell me what the source of your, your strength is and what can make you weak and what can I tie you up with? And he says, okay, fine. New rope. Just new rope. Tie me up with new rope and I won't be able to break free. Obviously, another lie. Samson breaks free, beats up these Philistines. Number three, Samson's like, okay, 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 I'll tell you. You got to weave my hair with this certain fabric, and then it'll be my weakness, and I won't be able to do anything about it. And of course, another lie, he breaks free, beats up the Philistines. So Delilah comes to him, and it's like, you know, why do you do this to me? Why don't you love me? And, you know, and he finally says what the source of his strength is. But here's what's fascinating about this story. When Delilah asks where his strength lies, Samson's telling her different things, tie me up with this, bind me with this. But the question is, why is he even having this conversation? Like, think about this for a minute. Why is Samson even tiptoeing around, well, this is the source of my strength, but I'm going to have this conversation with the enemy? See, isn't that like us? When temptation comes along or when sin presents itself, man, we begin to have these mental gymnastics and play, okay, well, what if, you know, what would that look like? Or, you know, wow, yeah, that's true. Maybe I should. It's, you know, I'm strong enough. I can handle that, right? It's so like us, but we fall into life-altering sin one compromise at a time. We fall into life-altering sin one compromise at a time. And so you may say, just like, you know, this conversation with Samson and Delilah, you might say, well, you know, I'm strong enough to go there and be around those people because, you know, I feel like I'm good with my walk with God, but yet you find yourself ending up doing the same thing that they're doing that you know is not God's will for your life. Or you might say, well, you know, I'm strong enough. I can drink this or smoke that or go to that website because, you know, my relationship with God is pretty good. I go to church and, you know, I think I'm going to be okay. Listen, if you're even having the conversation That's a red flag. And so we need to get past that and realize, wow, when we are tempted, it's going to be something that it it does look good to us. We need to realize that. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says that the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. Amen? I'll say it again. And God is faithful. And he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, listen, when temptation happens, it's going to be something 
that is gratifying to the flesh. It's going to be something that you would actually maybe want to do or experience. But here's the, here's the thing. Rarely when temptation happens, we're, we're not looking for a way out, if we're honest, right? We're not looking for a way out when temptation presents itself because that temptation looks good to our flesh. But here's the thing. We need to train our spirit and build ourselves up in the Lord and know his word so much so to where we train our spiritual eyes to see, wow, God's provided me with a way out. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to take that. But we don't see Samson doing much of that. Martin Luther says this, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop the bird from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Great visual again. But it's true with temptation. You can't stop temptation from happening, but you can absolutely stop putting yourself in tempting situations. You can absolutely stop walking into temptation and entertaining the thought and having the conversation, right? Look for the way out. God promises one. You only flirt with sin for so long before you give in. And the Bible says in Hebrews that sin is actually pleasurable for a season. Sin is fun. Sin is fun until it traps someone. And maybe you think of patterns in your life and you look back and you remember times where it's like, man, those were, you know, I had some fun, but man, now I'm bound up. Or maybe you think of patterns in your life where like, you know, I knew that wasn't God's will, but I did it anyway. And it was kind of fun. We had some good times, but man, it led me down the wrong path and you've been delivered. Praise God. But wherever you're at in that, you need to realize that God will always provide a way out. We have to be looking for one. Amen. Sin will always take you further than you meant to go keep you longer than you meant to stay, and cost you more than you ever meant to pay. So look at Judges 16. The story continues. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Now I understand here what Samson is saying. He's saying, you know, hey, I was dedicated to God at birth. But another way I read it, it's heartbreaking. Because I almost hear Samson saying, I was dedicated to God. Like it's a past thing. And if we're not careful, we think back to those, well, I was baptized then, or I had that experience with God, or, you know, hey, as a kid I did this or that, or I went on that mission trip. And if we're not careful, we base base our faith off of past experiences. So, and, and this is a dangerous place for Samson here. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone So verse 18 says, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him, there's that word again, down, and his strength left him. Here's something to consider in our own lives. What is your Delilah? What is the area of your life that is nagging you and getting you to fall, you know, short of God's plan, getting you to give in to temptation and and entertain sin and having that conversation? What is your Delilah? And another thing to consider interesting about this text is when Delilah asked Samson the source of his strength, what did Samson say? You can answer. What did Samson say? His hair. And that's the problem right there, because the source of Samson's hair was not his strength. It was his commitment to God not to cut it. Samson's hair length had nothing to do with his strength. 
He had committed to God. He took a Nazarite vow, and through that vow, he experienced God's strength in him. Amen? And wow, if we aren't careful, we think that, you know, we might on the outside look like a good Christian. Man, Samson had those, you know, I believe those Rasta dreadlocks, you know, and he was just like rocking it, and it's like, yeah, I'm a Nazarite, and I've got it going on. But on the inside, his inward commitment, it was lacking, or maybe non-existent at this point. It's inward commitment. And you might feel like, hey, on the outside, everyone thinks I have it all together, but you realize right now your inward commitment to God needs work. And we, we're all there on some level. Amen? We're all there. We're all in this together. So what is your Delilah? Let's think about that as we continue. Judges sixteen twenty says this. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. Did you know that you and I, we are free to ignore God's commands? Like you can. You're free to do that. But you are not free from the consequences of doing so. Right? And sometimes we go about life and, and we think that, you know, we're strong enough and good enough and we do this and that and we dot all our I's and cross all our T's and, you know, hey, I, I'm good. When we realize, wow, it was never our own strength sustaining us in the first place, right? So they gouged out his eyes. Samson lost his vision. And I believe Samson lost his spiritual vision long before he lost his physical vision. Because if he maintained his spiritual vision, he wouldn't have ended up in this situation in the first place. Because your spiritual vision reminds you of the destiny God has for you. Amen? God called Samson to be raised up as a righteous judge to deliver Israel, to put them back on track with him. And instead, Samson is playing the enemy's games and giving in. Now, I believe we often break God's heart long before we break his commands. Because again, God isn't after us, so, you know, only if, hey, you know, you follow these rules and do this, then I love you. Man, he's after our heart and that commitment we make towards him. And we break his heart often before we break his commands, I believe. Samson, the mighty judge of Israel, called to deliver God's people, now has fallen into the hands of the very ones he was supposed to overpower. So just like we saw an Old Testament picture of grace earlier in the story, I believe this is another one of those. It's a redeeming verse. It's verse 22 in chapter 16. It says, but before long, his hair began to grow back. Amen. But before long, Samson's hair began to grow back. Now, I need somebody in this place to hear this. You need to realize that failure isn't fatal. Failure isn't fatal unless you allow it to be. But maybe at this point you feel like you have failed and you feel like it is fatal and you can't move on, can't have any more victories in your life because of what you've done or what you've been involved in or, or whatever. But your failure isn't fatal because God, he never consults your past to show you your future. And praise God for that, Amen. God never dips into our past to say, okay, this is what your future will look like based on your past. No, instead, God dips into your calling that he had for you before you were even born and says, okay, I love them. They are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I got a plan for them, so this is what their future looks like. Amen? 
That's what God dips into. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth were even laid, he loved you and had a plan for you. Amen? That's incredible. And so Samson, he's maybe realizing now that God isn't done with him. I just picture Samson grinding at that mill in prison, and he's blind. He has his, his eyes gouged out, and he's chained up. And his hair begins to grow back. And I believe that maybe as he began to feel his hair getting longer again and brushed up against his face where he'd reach up and just feel that, man, my hair's getting longer. I believe it was subtle reminders of those times where the Spirit of God moved mightily upon him. He remembered, wow, I remember when God used to move in my life. And maybe as the hair began to grow longer, he remembered, wow, I'm supposed to be a Nazarite. I took a Nazarite vow to never cut my hair, but here it is. It's growing again. And I believe that as Samson's hair began to grow back, so his heart also began to grow back. And Samson is now in a repentant state. And maybe you've given in to sin. You've fallen just like Samson. You've lost your vision for the call God gave you. Maybe you're already dabbling in sin and you're having that conversation, but you realize now how serious the consequences could be. So in the New Testament, long after Samson did what he did, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see this hall of fame of people. And I like to call it the hall of faith because it's all these incredible individuals who did great things for God. And in verse 32, we see Samson's name. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. So Samson made the cut, right? Like he's listed among some amazing people. But hear me, how much more could have been said of Samson if he would have realized that he was walking in his own will and not in God's will? He was called to be a righteous judge, to deliver Israel, to set them back on track. And he didn't. Man, we all have a potential that I believe God calls us to. But we have to decide if we're going to live in that potential. And that comes through obedience. That comes through wisdom. Walking that path. Amen? So, look at Judges 16, 28. It's back to the story. Samson's hair begins to grow back. Philistines are throwing this big, crazy party. There's thousands of people there. And they begin to worship their false gods. And they say, hey, let's bring out Samson. He was supposed to be that judge of Israel. Let's bring him out and let's make a spectacle of him. And so look at what happens here. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. And pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Wow. Samson realized that as his hair began to grow back, God wasn't through with him. But sadly, most of us feel like God might be through with us. We feel like God failed us. Or I'm sorry, we feel like we failed God. We've let God down. We can't move on. And Samson cried out to God for one last victory. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe faith is beginning to stir up and you're, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe one more victory is in my future. But here's the thing. God doesn't want to give you one more victory. God wants you to live in victory. Amen? 
Come on, if we can't get excited about that, what can we get excited about? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we can walk in his victory every single day. Amen? So we get to live in victory, not just have, okay, one last victory. Amen? So Judges 16 says that he prayed and said, God, one more victory. But I'm telling you right now, God doesn't want to just give you one more. He wants every day to be a victory. Amen? Every day. And it really takes pressure off when we realize we can't let God down. Did you know that? You can't let God down because you were never holding him up in the first place. So it's not our, it's not our good works. It's not our level of faith. It's, none of this is dictating God's faithfulness and love for us. It's not what's holding it up. It's just who he is. Amen? My baby girl is right. Yeah, she's like, yeah, go dad. <laughs> God has given you a destiny. You may have fallen. You may have failed. You may even right now be living in sin. But God is not through with you. Amen? And maybe even as you hear me say that, you don't believe it for yourself. But I'm telling you right now, man, he's not through with you and he has a plan for you. Let's bow our heads. Maybe you're in this place and you realize that much like Samson, you've been kind of doing your own thing, walking your own path. And that's led to a lot of issues, a lot of heartache. Maybe you realize right now there's a a void in your life and you've been trying to fill that void with things and experiences and relationships and you end up feeling empty all over again. And it's just a vicious cycle. But you realize right now that void was put in you and can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you realize now that's what you need. And maybe you've received him before, but you've wandered away. So if you're in this place and you need to just come back to Jesus or you need to surrender your life to him for the first time, man, let's get things right right now. Would you slip your hand up? If you say, that's me, yeah, I need to get back on track with God or I need to surrender my life to him for the first time. Anyone in here? Awesome, I see your hand. You can put your hand down. Praise God. I see your hand. It's awesome. Anyone else? I see your hand. Thank you. Wow, I see your hand. It's so amazing when you realize and you're honest enough with yourself and honest enough with God to say, yeah, I've wandered off, or God, I need you. I need you so much. So if you raised your hand in this place, I'm going to say a prayer. Just know it's not my prayer that is bringing you back to God. It's not my prayer that is saving you. It's you putting your faith in Jesus. So if you've wandered off and you need to return to him or if you need to invite him in for the first time, open up your heart right now. Put your faith in him as we pray. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, we believe that you lived a perfect life, sinless life, so that you could be that perfect sacrifice. Lord, you laid your life down on the cross for us to take away our sin. Thank you, God for what you've done. Lord, we believe that you were buried, but you didn't stay dead. Lord, you rose again in victory and you live today. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that now dwells in us. Thank you that it's a guide. Thank you that it's a peace bringer. God, it's encouragement, it's power. And Lord, we're gonna walk in that every day. Direct us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for those who made that decision today. And if you did make that decision today, We encourage you, come to one of these front tables as we dismiss in a moment or go out to the tent. We would love to get to know you and pray with you more, give you a Bible or a devotion, anything you need at all. So please, please take us up on that. 
But for everyone else in this room, I'm just going to say a closing prayer. And you can just bow your heads and we'll close together. But as I pray, I encourage you and even challenge you to say your prayer to God from your heart and maybe even from your mouth. Because you're dealing with something different than what I'm dealing with. And what I'm dealing with is different than what someone down the road is dealing with. But we're all going through something and facing things. But man, God has called you to walk in victory. God has given you a destiny. And maybe today, maybe for the first time in a long time, you feel your spiritual vision being restored and you realize, wow, I've got a destiny in God. I'm called to do great things. I'm called to do amazing things for God's kingdom. And I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for every single individual in this room, from the youngest to oldest. Thank you that you do have a destiny and a plan for each and every one of them, God. So I pray right now, Lord, that you would encourage them by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that as we leave this place today, our heads would be held high and we would know, wow, we have a destiny, we have a plan, we have a purpose, and it's from you, God. So God, help us, Lord. Learn from lessons like Samson, God. He was called to do such amazing and great things for your glory and for your kingdom. And God, he wasted so much time doing his own thing. Lord, would you convict us now, maybe if we're on our own path doing our own thing. God, may, may we get back on the path of righteousness. May we get back on the path of wisdom. and Help us walk that path with you. Help us fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you that you are our strength. God, that we can overcome any temptation. You've given us a way out every time. We're going to start looking for it. Thank you for your power that dwells in us. And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you put your hands together for